Southridge. Woo! Are you guys ready? You're ready. All right. Well, here we go. This is part four in our series called Sexual Healing. And uh, today uh, we're going to talk about a really tough topic called porn. Um, my kid, uh, Tori, actually specifically told me, Dad, I'll be glad when this series is over because you reading all these books and watching all these videos appropriately is a little overwhelming in our home. So, hey, here we go. Uh, if you are uh, here with children, little ones, I'm looking around, I think we're safe in this service. Uh, this might be a little sensitive for little ears, and so I just want to give you a heads up on that. Um, here's, here, I've been saying something like this every week because I think it's so critical, especially to this series. Um, this might be a difficult subject for you. I mean, it might be one of those things as we talk about um, it's close to home, uh, whether it's close to home because of what you were brought up in, you were raised in, it's close to home because of something you're dealing with right now, um, and, and I just want to let you know up front that part of our reason, or actually the reason for us doing this series is not to try to shock you or try to, you know, any shape or form make you feel uncomfortable, but hopefully, this is our prayer, hopefully that through this series you find or begin the process of finding healing in your sexual life and who you are as a person. I mean, that's, that's where we're going. So I just want to throw that out there that in no way or shape or form we're trying to be insensitive, but we want to be really intentional about what we're talking about. Uh, why talk about sex in church? Why talk about it in, ch in church? Every week I've been kind of given a different answer and I think appropriately today, this is the right answer, is because God made sex to be a beautiful thing. I think that's why we should be talking about God made sex to be a beautiful thing. Uh, now, what we're going to talk about today in porn, it's become a lot less than beautiful. It's, it's been made something else. And so hopefully we can understand that, that God wants us and he created us to experience this beautiful thing called sex. I mean, he, he did. I mean, it's not like God's like, I can't believe that they're doing that. He actually created us, designed us, wired us, all those different things that we would experience this intimacy within the context of a marriage, a husband and a wife, and it would be a beautiful thing. Now, the problem is, is it's all messed up. That's the problem. I mean, the problem is we live, uh, and I don't have to get up here and tell you how messed up it is or how upside down it is or crazy or just it's messed up. And so we, we know that. It isn't like somebody's going, ah, I don't know, you know. And so, so that becomes the problem. Over the last few weeks, though, because I'm kind of building on something. Obviously, today is a specific topic. But uh, first time, first week, we talked about how sex outside of God's design is, is what leaves us broken. It leaves us in a place where, where we are damaged goods. And, and a lot of us, matter of fact, we, I think the reality is, is most of us have brokenness in our lives because of sexual uh, things that have happened to us or have happened because of our own choices. I mean, the brokenness and the boundaries that are broken come because of sexual abuse. Sometimes uh, what's happening is we're in a position where we are damaged goods, not by our own choice, but because of somebody else's crazy choice. And you've been abused, whether it was when you were a little kid or when you were a teenager or when you were in college or, or whatever it may be. And, and, I, and I say this every week, and I, and I wholeheartedly want you to know this, that it's not your fault, and God loves you in a big way. 
no matter how you got to the place that you are right now because of that, okay? The second part of that is that God's design is broken when we are outside of his design is through our own choices of sexual activity. That we have sex outside of the boundary, if you will, and when we do that, we break the boundary. And sex outside of that is premarital, it's uh, affairs, it's, it's, it's all that kind of stuff that goes into that. And what happens is when we have sexual activity outside of lifelong commitment, we have a broken boundary. And, and, then, it, and then we have to deal with the, the, the result of that, the impact of that, and all that goes on with that. So that was what we talked about first. Secondly, we talked about how sex outside of God's design actually fractures the very image that God created you and I to be. In other words, when you and I were created, we were created to to reflect or mirror the image of God. In other words, it was a good thing. Now, obviously, sin in and of itself shatters and breaks that, but I think in the greatest magnitude, our sexual brokenness fractures that image. And what happens is we live a life that's full of shame and guilt and re, you know, regret or whatever, and, and we're, we're broken identity-wise. We're broken as, as, pure, as people, and we're trying to figure out, okay, what does that mean? And so we talked about how God wants to restore that and bring us out of shame and guilt into a place of forgiveness and wholeness, which led to last week, which we talked about how sex is to be a byproduct of being complete, not the goal of finding completion. In other words, it, it's something that is the result of, and, and we always get that backwards. And so we talked about oneness in marriage and sexuality allows us to experience that. And so we miss that. So that's, there's a whole lot of that. So... Today, though, I want to deal with um, maybe the biggest issue facing us as a culture. I mean, it's, it's the big one. I mean, it's, we're going to talk about porn, and it's that dark, heavy topic that has a lot of baggage. It has a lot of baggage. I mean, it, it's one of those things that a lot of times you don't talk about because it tends to hide. It tends to stay in secret places. It tends to stay in dark places. It tends to be in the areas of our lives that we're not wanting anybody to see. And so it has the secrecy about it many times. And then you have the, the very bold and outgoing ones. But the numbers of those kind of people versus the people that are, they're trying to hide it is not even comparable. And so we're trying to deal with this. And, 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 and acting like it's not there isn't the answer. I mean, I've got, I've got to deal with this. I've got to come head on and say, what's going on with this? What's, what's happening here? Because the reality is that for many of us, we've been affected by porn and in some way or another and impacted by it in some way or another, maybe even today, like I said. And it's doing things. It's, it's happening. Matter of fact, some of the relationships that you have that are kind of weird could be the result of some of these porn things that are happening in our culture. So here's, here's some interesting statistics. Today we're faced with a 24-7 internet access to free porn. It's a big deal. Uh, studies show that pornography is a $60 billion a year industry worldwide. $60 billion. That's an estimate. Some people say it could be as high as $100 billion. I mean, in America alone, we will spend $13.6 billion on pornography this year. $13.6 billion on pornography. Uh, there, there are 24.6 million pornographic websites. At age 11 is the average age where a person first views porn. 40 million Americans visit por pornographic websites daily. 50% of them are men ages 35 to 49. Nearly, and this one blew me away, 
nearly 30% of all those viewing porn are women, which right now it's becoming more and more of a women, men, both. It used to be it was all about the men. Now it's all of a sudden becoming a, a woman's issue at the same time. And, and by the way, for women, many times it's fantasy books and chat rooms. They become the porn, if you will, of what's going on. Um, 70% of 18 to 24-year-old men use, visit pornographic sites in a typical month. 66% of men in their 20s and 30s report being regular users of pornography. 53% of Christian men view porn. That means for every 10 men in the church, the five are struggling with porn. I mean, it's, it's, it's huge. Uh, 90% of ages 8 to 16-year-olds have viewed porn mostly during during times when they were doing their homework in their own homes. So just heads up, parents. Just heads up. Um, 43% of all Internet users visit pornographic websites. Sex and porn are among the top five most frequently searched terms for children under 18. I mean, just the statistics alone, you go, whoa, 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 what, what is going on? And what it is is there's something in us that is that is sucking us and is drawing us, that is going on, that's making us want to be a part of this. And we've got to figure out what that is. I mean, really, it's, a lot of times we just don't understand. We don't understand its impact. We don't understand its effect. We don't understand how maybe devastating it can be. We don't understand that. Yet it's all around us. It's all around us. I found this uh, video clip. I, I think it kind of illustrates it in a real way. If we've got that room ready, let's show that. I don't understand. I just don't get it. Why does he have to... I don't understand why it's such a big deal. Why does it bother her so much? It bothers me. How am I supposed to feel? He's my husband. My partner. He's my... Well... He's mine. I love her. She's my wife. This has nothing to do with that. There's so many different opinions and feelings out there in the media, in the world, about porn. I know the church says it's wrong, but my girlfriends say it's a great marital aid, as long as you watch it together. And my single friends are like, yeah, it's fine. But they're single, so it doesn't matter. I guess there's a time and a place for it in life. It's entertainment, like any other magazine or, or movie. It's media. It's art. It's freedom of speech. TV makes fun of it. They make it sound like I'm the best, most understanding wife if I buy it for my husband. Like, don't all the other wives get so jealous of how cool I am? Or my favorite, oh, that's just what kids do. They're curious. It's healthy for them to explore. It's what guys do. Well, that's just what guys do. It's how they're wired. Why can't I check my email without 20 questions? I, I should be allowed my privacy. I, I should be allowed a little respect. I'm not cheating on her. I feel like he cheated on me. My friend says I'm too controlling. She says I shouldn't have to know everything about my husband. That he should have his privacy. And I get that. I, I really do. I tried to keep it from her. Not because I, I feel I'm doing anything wrong. I just didn't want to make it into an issue like it is, well, like it's become. 
I just messed up and forgot. How am I supposed to feel? Now every time I want to check my email, I have to wonder if he's closed the window he was looking at? She was going shopping and, and I was checking my email. It, it popped up. I didn't think it would hurt to look. I was in a rush when I heard the garage door open and I thought I had closed the screen. It's been several years and I still see those images over and over in my mind. Just knowing what he did, knowing he wasn't thinking about me. He says it isn't about me. He explained it, but I don't understand. It's not like I didn't try to get him to pay attention to me or to try to be ready when he was. It's been years and she's still... There's, there's still something in the way she looks at me. I don't understand. I was always willing to try new things and spice it up. What was I doing wrong? And I thought that he looked because... Well, because I don't look like them. It made me feel ugly and fat and inadequate. Sorry. My wife is, well, she's my wife. Women are beautiful to me, and my wife is at the top of the list. She's not doing anything wrong. She looks the same as she always has. She's not changed. And I wasn't looking at that person on the screen as much as I just liked the way it made me feel. It, it was all about me. You know, but I told myself, all those things are normal. It's, it's just guys. It's what they do. Yada, yada. It's bull crap. It's not like I had an affair. It feels like he had an affair. I know a good wife is supposed to be forgiving. And I'm trying. I'm just thinking... Now that he knows how I feel, how much it hurts me, that he'll just stop. She's always tense, unable to relax. It's still very difficult to be intimate. I keep seeing those images and wondering if it was me. It was something about me that made him look. I was ready to sell the computer. I just wanted this whole thing to just go away. It's impractical to get rid of the computer. I mean, we pay bills on it, and we do other searches on it. So I was willing to put the screening software on there that she wanted. Well, he finally agreed to the software. And I just had to look every time I went by the computer, just checking for that little email icon that told me I got a notification. It just made me so nervous every time I got an email. But eventually, those emails stopped coming, and... I thought maybe I could trust him again. A little bit, anyway. She got to where she would stop looking over my shoulder every moment. I didn't like lying to her. It had been a while since I'd received one of those email notifications, and I thought, he's cured. That's when I found out he'd been going into my email account and deleting my emails. My emails. I guess if I'm being honest, I, I really had trouble not looking at it after a while. I don't understand. How can anyone else?
know, I want to I want to pray. Um, last night I was uh, I was just spending some time in prayer about this, and and I realized something um, that there's there's a sense of uh, and this is a real churchy phrase. There's a sense of bondage that comes with this that I think only is broken by God. So we just pause right here and pray. Can we do that? Lord, Lord, I, uh, I realize that even in this room here today that there are those that are captive by the, by the power and the control of pornography over their lives, maybe to the point where they really don't even understand it, but they know something's not right. And Lord, I pray that you in the power of everything that you did on the cross would touch a captive heart right now. That, Lord, you would get a hold of us in ways that, Lord, we know we can never fix ourselves. Lord, may it not just be another message. May it not just be another talk. But, Lord, may it be a life-changing moment. Because finally, we dealt with something that's in us that hasn't been dealt with. Lord, let it be so. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, here's, here's a, I don't know why, I, I, I think uh, my heart today is incredibly broken because of this, because I realize how devastating its impact and effect is on people's lives. Um, I've got a lot of stuff I want to talk about real quickly, but um, we're going we're gonna to watch another clip here in a few minutes, but you know, porn, porn has this, this way about it that it, it sucks life out of you, and many times you don't even know what's happening. And uh, I thank God personally that I, it hasn't been, you know, there's been times, as I'm a normal guy, there's been times where I've wrestled with it, but by God's grace, that's the only thing I can think about that, and I use the Joseph method, I just run away. I just don't play with it. And that's always been my, my way of dealing with it which I think is actually very biblical because it says flee from sexual immorality. In other words, there's times when you run. That's what you do. You run. So uh, what, I- what is porn? Real quickly, I just want to go through a few of these things. For- what is porn? Porn is a Greek word that means female captive or prostitute. That's what it comes from. It originates from there. And, and so the word pornography is actually a word that originated in the 1850s, the mid-1800s, and it combines the word or the concept of prostitution with, with the concept of photography, you know, or, or uh, created images. And so when you put those two together, you have pornography. And so it's, it's, in that sense, it's fairly new, but in the sense of it being a part of what paintings on walls and statues and all that kind of stuff and part of culture, it's not new. It's, it's, a, it's something that's been going on forever. Um, and so it's, it's created media that, that creates these images, whether it be through reading you know, because by the way, a fantasy novel is just as much pornography in a way as anything else. And you read this, and it creates or stimulates a sexual desire. And that's that's what it's for. And so, I mean, it's not. Don't be fooled. That's what it's for. I mean, that's that's what's going on. So, there's a few things that what porn is. First one is porn is addictive. It's addictive. I mean, it's it's. Uh, I read in one place that porn is crack for your brain. That's what it is. I mean, it, it, it has that addictive dynamic to it. Porn actually creates, and I've been reading a book, and if you uh, wired for intimacy, I throw it out there, check it out. It's a great book. It's kind of heady, 
Um, uh, but it's, it talks about how porn actually creates a neurological circuit in your brain. Just like a heroin addict <laughs> or a food addict or wh- whatever addict it might be, it has this di- addictive thing. And how it works is simply this. is I have an arousal that is stimulated visually or mentally because I'm reading something, and because of that, I have an arousal, then I respond to it. In other words, I engage it, and then there is a sense of reward. And every time I do that in my brain, it goes, and it begins to make a, a weld, if you will, in my mind to that experience. And so every time I go and I watch a pornographic picture, there is a weld that is happening in my brain. And you're like, well, Dude, that's why it's so hard to walk away. Yeah, and what it is is it becomes a pathway neurologically and behaviorally that I can't get out of, i.e. an addiction. I can't stop. And, and actually, and then I start looking for more and more of it, and so then you get into the five steps of porn addiction, which are exposure, which it could have happened when you were a 5-year-old or a 10-year-old or a 20-year-old, but there's this immediate exposure. You're like, whoa, 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 but then there's something that happens in you and all of a sudden, you have this addiction that says, I want that feeling again. And so the addiction starts, and then you go from addiction, and here's where it starts getting dangerous, because this is how it works. It goes from addiction, uh, exposure, addiction, escalation. In other words, I have to have more of it to feel the same way. I, I can't just be satisfied with this little bit of stuff I'm watching. I have to watch something more graphic. I have to watch, okay, and so it escalates. And then what happens, and this is where the danger point starts happening, I become desensitized. In other words, the same high that I used to get, I don't get it. And so I'm looking for the same high, and I can't get it. And so I start doing more and more or experiencing more and more. And then it moves into the next area, which is acting out. And you're like, how do people on the news do what they do? Right? How does somebody go and, and, and flash themselves in a park to a bunch of little kids? I mean, how's that happen? Right there. <laughs> That's how that happens. I mean, it's, it's part of that whole process. So, first thing, porn is addictive. Secondly, porn is an attempt to substitute, substituting a real relationship for a false relationship. Porn is an attempt to substitute. It's, it's a picture of a real thing. It's not a real thing. It's a story about a thing. It's not the real thing. And so it's a substitute of what God wants us to have us personally. And the next one here is what is porn? Porn is an evasion of a sacred place. In other words, it's almost like somebody came in into the bedroom where a marriage is supposed to have a beautiful sexual relationship, and somebody kicked the door in and said, I'm here. You're like, whoa, whoa, that's not appropriate. But that's what, it's an invasion of a sacred place. So it breaks through and and it gets in that private area. Next one is, what is porn? Porn is an addiction. Excuse me, porn addiction is a symptom of a deeper problem. Porn is actually, porn porn isn't the problem. I mean, you're like, wait, that's a problem. Yeah, it is a problem. (laughs) But really, porn is a symptom, and it's a symptom of relational dysfunctionalism. We're relationally dysfunctional, so we don't know how to act out or engage in relationships appropriately, and porn becomes that option for us, that substitute. So it's this, this relational dysfunction. It's actually a symptom of that we are, going back to what we've talked before, that we are broken sexually, and we don't know how to handle it correctly, and so we go to something that isn't the answer <laughs> to try to fix it. 
And then the other one, that, which is the most basic one, is that we simply are sinners. In other words, all of us are broken before God. The moment I was born, I was in this state, and so I'm already bent that way. And so the natural tendency for me to go that way is because I haven't yet been changed or transformed into what God wants me to be. Okay? So that's what porn is. Let me, let me watch another clip. I think we can, yeah, I'm going to race through this. This is about seven minutes. And by the way, let me show, uh, on, your, on your notes today, on the back side, there is a list of resources. Most of them are websites because now everybody's doing website stuff. But uh, you can go through there. And one of those, I think it's the very first one, it's called the Porn Event. And it's actually uh, a combination between Triple X Church and Life Church. And they pulled this together. And they did a whole thing that's men, guys, and I encourage you to go check it out. There's, there's a whole lesson for ladies and there's a whole lesson for guys. But this is one part from the lesson for guys. So let's go ahead and show that. The men's segment of thepornevent.com. My name is Brandon Donaldson. I'm with Stephen Luff from TripleXChurch.com. Uh, the team there, you deal with a lot of... Uh, issues around pornography, talk about it, write about it, <laughs> and specifically with men. And so we're just going to jump in to su- some Q&A. And so I, I think the big uh, question is, f- for men, this is a, a growing uh, industry, obviously, porn. Why, why is it so prevalent specifically with men? Well, I'm just, I'm just going to jump right in and get to the heart of this whole thing. And basically what pornography is, is a drug. It releases a neurochemical in the brain called dopamine, which gives you a great rush. Otherwise, we wouldn't be looking at porn if there weren't a great rush. Dopamine is the exact same neurochemical that is released when someone uses methamphetamines, heroin. It's just that with methamphetamines and heroin, it's like 10, 15 times the amount as what's called a natural addiction, such as pornography, natural addictions and and, and chemical addictions. So when people are using porn, what they're doing is controlling emotions that they don't want to have to feel. Just like an alcoholic or a drug addict, they're trying to avoid something. They're trying to run from emotions from their childhood, emotions from where they are at the moment, a marriage, friendships, crummy jobs, existential questions of why am I here on earth and I can't figure that thing out. Instead of facing those things head on and growing and learning and stretching themselves, they turn to porn because it's, it's easy, it's fast, it's on the internet. There are the, the, there are the four A's of internet, uh, internet porn addiction, if I can remember them all. Uh, affordable, accessible, anonymous, and aggressive. Aggressive means that even when you're not looking for it, it's looking for you and it's going to find you in this day and age. Right. I think... A lot of, of guys either don't talk about it at all or sort of this, this uh, you just sort of accept it as part of culture, but nobody really talks yeah. about it. And so a lot of people, uh, a lot of guys watching right now, it's like, you know, I don't know that it's a problem. And, you know, hearing all this is like, whoa, that, that's connecting with right, me. Right, right. How do I know when I'm, I'm addicted? What, what does that look like? Um, well, there's a difference between, uh, as Shelley Warren once said, if you use it, that's a problem. If, if looking at pornography is basically a way to avoid yourself, there's nothing positive in that. Now, addicted, there are different ways of looking at it. As Christians, being addicted is different because if you're using it, it's not going to draw you closer to God. So as Christians, that's not going to get us where we want to go. Secularly, there are things called the sexual addiction screening test. And 
It can be anywhere from 10 questions to 20 questions, sometimes 50 questions that help you understand whether or not you do indeed have a serious problem. And I can read just four of those questions, which could be really helpful for you. Do you have a pattern of failing to resist the impulse to act out sexually? When you do act out sexually, do you find that you do so to a greater extent or for a longer period of time than you had originally intended? Do you have a continual desire to act out sexually and have tried to stop? This last one is important. Do you find yourself acting out sexually even though you're expected to meet job, school, home, or social commitments? So, man, that, that should implicate quite a few people who are using it. Uh, you know, the person who is, is planning all day, maybe their job, you know, their, their boss frustrates them. They get in an argument at work. They don't know what to do with those emotions. They don't know how to, to deal with that relationship issue. So what they do is they revert back into their safe place and they start mapping out how they're going to get to porn, what the rest of their day is going to look like. I've got one guy in my group. I lead uh, sexual addiction recovery groups in Los Angeles, where I'm from, who used to just plot out his day. I'm going to get up. I'm going to get my, uh, you know, my cereal on. I'm going to go do some work. I'm going to go to Starbucks, and then I'm going to come home on 11 o'clock. I'm going to start surfing the Internet, and I'm going to surf probably from 11 o'clock until like 5 p.m., you know, culminating with masturbation, and then I'm going to go out and go to my night job. And that was just each day was planned out like that. If you're finding yourself in a position where you're, you're planning your activities around your sexual activities, you got a problem. So those that are, are having that problem and, and probably understand exactly what you're talking about, you know, a lot of them are like, you know, what, why, why is it so confusing to those people? What would you say to those people that, like, that it becomes such a confusing Here's thing? the take home. We often start getting into any sort of addictive behavior. And I do want to make the point that addictions move laterally and they're genetic. If you have people in your family that have had issues with addiction, alcohol, drugs, gambling, there is a tendency for you to have uh, struggles any with, kind. with any kind of addiction. Right. And addictions move laterally, which means that you may shut down uh, sex addiction or you may shut down alcohol, but you may start getting into drugs or you know, vice versa. Um, this, this is a slight anecdote, but the man who started uh, Alcoholics Anonymous, in fact, uh, great, wonderful program, if anyone is struggling with alcohol to get involved in that, but he too was struggling with sex, even after the alcohol, which shows you that even though he was able to shut that down, it sprang up again somewhere else. Now, why does it spring up somewhere else? Um, without getting too deep into, it, into this, for most people who are struggling with any form of addiction, there's what's called uh, a structural void or, or an emptiness, or um, Henry Nouwen, the, the theologian, used the term loneliness. There's a sense of just not feeling right, which usually comes from relationships with parents um, or caregivers from a young place. You weren't nurtured, you were neglected, you were abused. And when you feel that you have that deep sense of, I'm not lovable, I'm not okay as I am, as you get older, that, that progresses, and it's called repetition compulsion, where you, you look for things that mirror how you feel inside. If you feel unlovable, you're going to turn to things that doesn't require relationship, that doesn't require a two-way street of love, which is porn, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's not a two-way street, it's a one-way street. 
you feel as if my needs cannot get met any other way than through porn, and porn is my most important need, which is a lie. Hmm. Tough stuff, isn't it? Um, let, me, let me keep going here. I, I want to fill in some lengths, and then we're going to pray at the end here. Um, but he, here, here's the deal. What's wrong with porn? What's wrong with it? If you would to, uh, you know, this is something that totally blew me away as I was preparing for this message in today's talk, and that's this. Is that if you go out and you just kind of Google the world's idea of what's wrong, you'd come back with the idea of nothing. That's what you'd come back with. I mean, you'd hear all kinds of people giving you all kinds of reasons why, oh, pfft, come on, big deal. Boys will be boys. You know, it's just pictures. Nobody's getting hurt. I mean, it's this whole idea, right? The problem is, is that's, that there's, there's this idea that we're dodging the realities. In other words, we're, we're pushing off wanting to feel good about what we're already participating in and, and ignoring the realities of what actually is going on. And so let me just throw out some th thoughts here, all right? What's wrong with porn? First one is it cripples our ability to truly love. It cripples our ability to truly love. It, it, it basically, what that means is it makes it difficult for us to attach and connect in healthy ways to people that we need to be connecting with. In other words, we've got this fantasy thing going on, and it keeps us from the real. And so it, it cripples our ability to truly love. And some people, oh, it enhances my love. No, actually, it's, it's tweaking it. It's, it's tweaking it. Li it's living in a world of fantasy allows us to escape from reality and invade or, or escape or avoid the demands of authentic love. I don't have to deal with stuff because she never, on the video screen or whatever, never says anything back. She likes me every time. And so we get all messed up there what's going on. Next one is this. Porn portrays human beings uh, as objects for consumption. I mean, it's, it, what happens then is, is we have this, this, this tendency that starts creating, you know, in men and women, by the way, and what it is is, the, you know, it, it floods into our daily lives. Men, and this is a proven study already, men tend to be more aggressive toward women. They're less sensitive to, to pain in other people. <laughs> or in suffering, and even violence. And you're like, oh, well, that makes sense why a man thinks it's okay that he can go rape a woman. It's because what happened is that the object, object it's just an object, and I, what blew me away, and this is what bothers me, because I'm very bothered about something, and that is where children are abused sexually. I'm very bothered by that. Every time I, I think about it, it just, it just makes me mad. And, and I'm thinking, how does that happen? How, how can a man... Or anybody look at a child and say, it's okay for me to do that to them. How can they do that? Well, that somehow what happened is that what was wrong with porn and what was wrong with the idea is that little child or that woman or that person became an object to own, not a person that's valuable. And something got lost there, and that's what's wrong. I mean, that's, that's seriously wrong. Now, you think, so men, here's, here's something from women, though. Women tend to detach from reality and distance themselves from healthy relationships. In other words, they'll go into the fantasy novel, and that becomes the reality. That's where I find my intimacy. That's where I find my sense of love. And say, boy, that's, that, that's, you make that object for consumption. Another one is, what's wrong is porn decreases our sexual satisfaction. 
big lie that's out there. You have porn in your bedroom, it's going to make your marriage bed better. It does not work that way. It does not work that way. It doesn't make it better. Matter of fact, it, de- it dissatisfies it. And it's proven, I mean, but you can go out and research this and see all this. It, they've done studies, and they found out that because when people are having that part of it, it actually creates higher and higher levels of dissatisfaction, not satisfaction. Because I have to keep feeding the image instead of dealing with the real. And so there's something messed up there because he, because, and this is what happened, because the real doesn't match my imagination. My imagination, imagine this thing, and so what I'm doing is I'm short-circuiting what should be happening and inserting or being hijacked with something that shouldn't. Just like in the video that we watched a little bit ago, is he making love to me or is he making love to her? That will cause problems. The last one, porn leads to marriage conflicts. Blew me away. Lawyers were asked, they said, what, what's, what, today, what's one of the biggest issues for marriage breakups and failures? 50% of all marriage divorces listed pornography as one of the causes. Wasn't helping. Wasn't helping. And so it creates this conflict. Is he making love to me or the images in his head? And that nearly half of all divorces, it's, it creates mistrust, affairs, and all this kind of stuff. And so that's all messed up. So let me wrap up. What can we do about this? What can we do about it, right? I mean, you know, okay, there's some issues here that need to be dealt with, and I know it's really quiet in here today, and I knew it was going to be, but this has to be talked about. We can't ignore this. And so so what can we do about it? And and here's the thing, and there's just a couple scriptures today, because I think it's important that if we're going to deal with this, we've got to understand what God wants. In other words, what does God desire for you and for me? What What does he want? I mean, because what God probably wants is probably what I need. And if God wants this, then I need to pay attention to that. And here's 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 3 through 5 and 7. It says this, God wants you to be, say it with me, holy. What's that mean? It means separated. It means set apart for his purpose. That's what it means. That I would be set apart. So don't be, and he connects the two. He said, don't be immoral in matters of sex. And he kind of gives a little answer. He says, respect and honor your wife. In other words, focus on this reality right here. Focus on the importance of this moment. And if you're not married and you're single, focus on the future moment of what that's going to look like. Respect and honor your wife. And then he goes, don't be a slave. That, that whole idea of addiction. Don't be a slave of your desires or live like Live like, or live like people who don't know God. In other words, don't blow it off. <laughs> Realize that, hey, there's something going on here. There's, there's something big going on here. There's something pretty important going on here. Take it seriously. And then you jump down a few verses and it says, God didn't choose you to be filthy. Didn't choose you to be a part of that. Didn't choose you to be part of this pornography world. He chose you to be, what does it say? But to be pure that's what god wants for you god wants you to be pure and you and some of us you're probably going oh man pure is a hundred miles away from what i'm thinking right now because that's not the reality for where i'm at but that's what god wants he wants you to be holy he doesn't want you to be a slave he wants you to be pure and so you know how do i get there how do i get there a couple of real quick thoughts before i jump into the end here is it what if what if you have a boyfriend who has a porn addiction yeah, what, you know, or girlfriend, because I mean, it could be that way today. What if that? 
Let me just say this, and this is to singles that are involved in relationships, and you need to know this. And the word is simply this. Don't settle for less than God's best. Don't settle for less than God's best. You're not their Jesus. <laughs> you're not their answer. If you sexually perform for them in any shape or form, you're actually making it worse, not making it better. If anything, what you need to do is just say, hey, I can be friends with you, and you need to deal with some stuff. Okay? I'm just throwing out there. What if your husband or your wife has a porn addiction? You're like, well, what do you do? Well, here, here's, there is no simple answer. There isn't like, here, click your heels, you know, snap your fingers, everything's going to be okay. But here's what needs to start happening. Number one is there needs to be openness in your relationship. You've got to talk about it and get it out in the open. You're like, well, oh, I don't know, man. If I talk to her about this, it's going to blow. <laughs> Dude, it's, it's already blowing up right now. You've you got to deal with this thing openness and then the second part of that in a relationship is you got to pursue it and you say well, well may, they don't want to and if that's the case then you have to have patience grace and mercy because God still wants to restore okay so so before I get into the, uh, any of those other things so how do we overcome it how do we do this real quickly it has to do with truth trust and territory the first one is truth we've got to move out from isolation we got to move out from isolation. Addiction feeds off of lies. Jesus said the truth will set you free. I need to bring into the light my brokenness, my messed up issues. i got to bring it into light. I've got to tell the truth. I've got to expose the truth. I've got to find somebody I can talk with, start with God, and then start with somebody you can trust. All right, so you've got to tell the truth. The second part of truth, moving out from isolation, the first part, second one, is you've got to identify the real problem. The real problem, pornography is a symptom of a much bigger issue. And as you begin to realize that your porn problem is the result of you attempting to meet your unresolved needs spiritually, emotionally, mentally, relationally on your own, then you come to a place where you acknowledge, God, I've got a problem and I need you. And I realize that. We need to acknowledge the real problem of porn is a destructive <laughs> sin behavior before God. That's the problem. Lord, I need you. I need you. Second part. So truth, identify, you know, move out from isolation, identify the real problem. Trust is two parts. Accept God's forgiveness. In other words, trust God. You've got to develop this faith that says, God, you, you actually have my best interest in mind. I trust you. I need help. And I'm going to start there. The power of God is what changes us. It's Jesus who came to set captives free. The second part of that is simply this, is you, got to, you have to, we have to engage in healthy communities. And let me just tell you, the guys that hang out at the strip clubs, that's not a healthy community. You know, the guys that are actually, they're in part of that world, and that's the healthy community. You need to have somebody that's had some victory and some wins in this area actually be part of your community. And go like, hey, I need to get around some people that can help me here, not always just bring me down or just high five and say, yeah, I understand what you're going through. I'm struggling too. I'm going to engage in a healthy community to develop a strong support base. We need the help of others to seek out and to find people who will become, help you become pure. I.e. at Southridge, life groups. That's one way. I mean, you get plugged in. You, you, you find somebody, talk with them, have a conversation with that. So you trust someone with your weakness. And the last one is territory. Is that you begin to establish new boundaries. Establish new boundaries. 
Now, let me just throw something out here. Jesus talked, he said this. He said, if, if your eye causes you to sin, anybody know what it says? It says, pluck it out. All right? Here's the deal. If your computer in your house is causing you problems every day or monthly or weekly, you need to live without a computer. You need to set up a different boundary. You don't need a stinking computer. Matter of fact, you don't even need to be close to one. You don't even need to watch movies. Oh, you'd probably, you, oh, what? How can I do that? I mean, you, you got you to set some new boundaries. You, the territory of who you are needs to be reestablished because if that's always the problem that's creating this, I've got to change it. The next one, territory, establish new boundaries, is establish a new mental pathway. Remember how it goes back to that whole how I think? We have to begin the process of reprogramming our minds and our hearts to what is right. Here's how it works. Consistent, healthy behavior becomes easier over time. It's that simple. The more I interact in a loving relationship with my wife, the easier it becomes to act in a loving relationship with my wife. The more I act in, a, in an inappropriate relationship with pornography... You see? I mean, so you gotta, it's, gotta, it's a new mental pathway. Here's a scripture, and then we're going to pray. Philippians 4.8 says this, And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, right, pure, and lovely, and admirable. Think about thi- things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Now, here's, here's the point of his saying this. That's how you reprogram your life. You begin to create different connection points in your mind. Hey, this is what, what I find reward in. This is where I find the reward, not in that. And it's a process that's going to have to take some time. So let's pray. Let's pray. Heads bowed, eyes closed, you and God right now. And I just want to ask a couple questions. The first one is, are, are you settling for less today than what God has for you? Are you settling for less? Are and a second question is, and this is a tough one, are you living a lie in this area? Are you living a lie? Because simply this, God wants you to be pure. God wants you to be pure. And Jesus came to earth, died on a cross to set captives free. And he'll set you free today. He will. He, he, if you would just say, here, God, here it is. I'm going to give it to you. I've been bound up and and in slavery to this for so long, God, I need you to begin to, to heal me and set me free. Lord, it's me today. I need your help. If that's you, would you just simply raise your hand so I can pray for you right now? Yeah, 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 yeah. Lord, I, I pray with those that have raised their hand. Is They make that bold step that says, Lord, here's the truth. The truth is, is I need help. I'm starting with you. And I'm asking simply for this to happen, that you would forgive me and set me free. I don't deserve it, God. I can't earn it. I can't can't manipulate it. But I can just simply say, Lord, I need you to set me free today. To heal me. Lord, help me to make new mental pathways. Help me to move out from the isolation, to do all the things that we just talked about. God, help me to do that, Lord, not in my own strength, but with your strength. Help me to find somebody I can trust. Lord, let it be so. In Jesus' name, amen.
One last thing is I want to encourage you to go. If, if you are serious about change in your life in the Aris area, to go to the resource list that's on that sheet and find the resource that fits you and make it happen. I mean, get somebody to go with you and say, hey, let's do this together and make that happen, okay? Let's stand today. Stronger than the power of the grave. 